Good morning. God is good. And all the time, let's go to prayer and give God the glory. Father, we come in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, to praise and glorify that name. I pray today, Father, that uh, you will seal the windows and doors of this place with the blood of you. Satan has no place here. Exit now. That the word spoken here today will touch a heart, Father. That new ground may be planted, seed planted, that you, Lord Savior, may give the increase. Father, I lift this, this up to you. The sermon you have put on my heart, Lord, I lay it out before you. For you, with you, and about you, to give you the glory. Father, I pray and give you thanks for the rain that's coming down outside, Father, desperately needed. And that's the thing about a loving Father. You give your children what they need, when they need. Lord, you're awesome, and we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we praise you. Amen. Amen. I uh, took a little survey before I came up here today, walk around looking a little bit. Tip Top closes at about 3 o'clock. I didn't see anybody with lunches. Now, the ladies, you might have some smuggled in your pocketbooks, but I hope to have you here by, say, 4 o'clock. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. The sermon I want to talk about today, the message today, Cody and I had talked about one prior to this, and that's what I had shared with him I was going to do. But just before he got ready to leave, he shook my hand, and I prayed with him, and he said, you're going to be preaching on Revelations, ain't you? I said, no. And I love the look on his face. You ever hear this, see that commercial? Priceless. I want to share, and I told him what I was going to do. This is one God put on my heart. This is the notes I have written down. This is the, what I put on this paper today to read you of God's word. And like I prayed, I pray it will touch somebody's heart in here today that may not have given their life to Christ yet. That's what he asked me to do, as well as you, to be evangelists and ministers of God. So if you notice the thing says rejoicing in heaven, when God told me that about rejoicing in heaven, I thought about selfishness, myself. I did. I thought about, I said, Lord, that, yeah, when you call my name, you notice I said, when you call my name, because he will, I will get to rejoice in heaven. But he said, no, I want to give you a snapshot of what goes on in heaven and the rejoicing that takes place that we sometimes have missed in the words of God. And when, I, when he took me to the scriptures I want to share with you today in the message, I want you to think about that God does, through his son Jesus Christ, give us a snapshot into heaven. He also does a question asked of what or how, and he also tells us how the rejoicing comes about. So those are the things, the topics today I want to share with you in the word of God. If you have your Bibles, and I pray you do, if you don't, it's on the monitor. Luke 15, 1 through 7. This is called the parable of the lost sheep. And while angels may play an important role in the judgment of God on those who refuse Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, yet at the same time the Bible informs us that they also rejoice, the angels do, in, in, in heaven or the salvation of sinners when they make that 180 degree turn and say today Lord Jesus I believe in you Jesus tells us several striking stories about rejoicing in heaven 
he gives us a little snapshot into what goes on around things that we cannot see. These are the words of God. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness, and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you, Jesus said this, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need not repent. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that he shows us and he tells us not that the 99 are abandoned, but they have already, as me and you, for those who believe, the angels have already rejoiced of us and given our lives to them. But for every one of them that he's waiting for to do it, the rejoicing that Jesus shows us that goes on in heaven when, a, when we do say, Lord, I accept you. The angels rejoice. And I love the picture that was picked out there with the, that Alan and I looked at, to, the trumpets blowing and the, and the hallelujahs and all that goes on when one sinner says, I'm done running. I believe in you. I trust in you. And yeah, I was one of them 100. Matter of fact, I was one, and there was 99 already there before me. And that's what I pray for you today. I pray today that somebody in here will notice a difference in the word that says this and give their life to Christ. The second thing Jesus gives a snapshot into was similar to the same right along with that parable that lies right up, the parable of the lost coin. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Jesus said this, Likewise I say to you, there is, joy in, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Have you ever thought about how many angels maybe he's talking about? If we could hear what was going on with that rejoicing, I can only imagine, as the song says, how loud and how wonderful that would be. And I think about this, this these Simple things that Jesus uses as examples of, of me being simple as I am. That he uses simple items. Have you ever lost anything? Something simple and you tear the place down till you find it? I have. Or oh, it may be weeks before I found it, found it, run it back upon it again. I say, thank you, Lord. You showed me where it was. Can you imagine the rejoicing in heaven when one sinner says, I accept you, Lord and Savior. Jesus gives us those snapshots that if you ever wondered what goes on in heaven, there it is, a little snapshot. Yes, into heaven. I've often wondered myself, and it made me re-look at this again this week, and that's what I told Cody. I said, Cody, this is something he's really made me look back on too, of what goes on. 
and how important our job is to go out and tell somebody who Jesus Christ is. In my notes, I wrote this to you and to myself. In these two parables, is not Jesus telling us that the angels in heaven have their eyes on every person? They see what's going on? They understand the spiritual condition that we're all in? Not only does God love you, the angels love you too. Because they love God. Who is God? God is love. They serve a holy God. They're all about him. Shouldn't we be? Shouldn't we love one another as the angels loves us, as God loves us? They are eager for each one of us to repent. For those who have not given your life to Christ, if you're sitting in here today, he's eager for you to repent and make that turnaround and come to him and accept him as Lord and Savior. Because I trust tell you this in my readings and understanding of the word, the angels also know what lays before those who don't believe in him. It's called hell. They know it. They are waiting and watching for every sinner, every one of them who don't accept, has not accepted Jesus Lord and Savior to give their life to him. They are waiting for the dew, the rejoicing, and the blowing, the trumpets, and singing and giving God the glory. There's one thing I did right in, in, in this. As I think about what goes on in our lives, we each have choices. We each make decisions. Guess what, people? The decision to give your life to Christ is on you, me, personally. I can't tell you, congregation, go out and be on a diet so I will lose weight. Guess what? It don't happen. The decision must be a decision that you personally make. And it's not an emotional decision. It is the decision of the mind, of the will, of the heart and soul. It is a commitment that you make to God to accept his son as Lord and Savior. They wait for that, to be able to rejoice and sing, knowing that another sinner has crossed over. Some may ask, how? What is it about? I'm going to share the words of God to you that he says. In uh, Mark 10, 17, Jesus counsels the rich young ruler. Now, I want you to think about that word, rich young ruler. And those words together, I think about this, that how did he get his richness? If he was older, I would say, well, maybe he worked for it. We don't know the full story. But he says, rich young ruler, would you take it that maybe the family passed it down to him of an inheritance? And in being rich, guess what? In this world, he probably don't want for much, does he? I can promise you these riches will melt away. So I think about what the words of God says. Yes, this young rich ruler comes to Jesus Christ. This is what he says. Now, he, as he was going out on the road, he being Jesus, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, good teacher. In the particular versions, is one of them in one of the Gospels, Jesus backs off and says, why call me good? There's only one good, and that's God. But he says it here, good teacher. 
What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? What shall I do? Is that a question today that maybe in here you haven't given your life to him that you may be asking, what shall I do to have eternal life? You might have all the riches in the world, material-wise, money-wise, but I promise you without, without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that all will leave you one day. Give everything I own because I don't as Jesus Christ, waiting for that day that he'll say, come home. It's not mine. It belongs all to Jesus Christ. And I remember Job, how fast Job lost his. We can't tell you. But I remember the heart of Job as he fell on his knees, shaved his head, tore his clothes, and worshiped God and said, the Lord give us and the Lord take us. Blessed be the Lord. This was a rich young ruler here. And the story goes on to say that he turned from Jesus and went his way because he didn't want to give up the world. I ask you today, is that something that you are pondering that you love the world more than you do, do your Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. In Acts 2, 36 through 39, we find Peter, full of the Spirit, raised up in God through his Son. He was fired up. He was telling these people. You notice who he starts out telling first. This is what he says. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know surely that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, here's your question. What shall we do? What shall we do to have the angels rejoicing into heaven, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ that nothing can ever take the place of and ain't nothing else worth it? but him. He said, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent, turn around, 180 degree, change your way of living. Believe in who it is I'm talking about, the man that you, the man that you crucified, that man being God himself in the form of Jesus Christ. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. General calling. Here it is, people. Jesus said, I'm giving it to you. I'm offering you freedom from this world, freedom from the second death. I want to give it to you. I'm making a call for you. I'm not going to make you take it. I'm putting it out there for you to accept me for who I am. In John 3.16, the word said, Whosoever believes in him, Jesus Christ, shall not perish. This is the way. Jesus gives us the answers. He shows us the glory in heaven that goes on when angels are singing. He asks, what shall we do? Peter said, this is it, full of the Spirit. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. This is the way. This is how you come about it, to give your life to Christ. In Acts 8, 34 through 37, we
we come upon a story, a story of the word of God, that an African nobleman, a eunuch, was reading the words of Isaiah riding along in a chariot. And the Lord spoke to Philip. He said, Philip, I need you to be there beside that chariot. I need you to inform this man, this young man, of what it is he's reading and what it's going to take. So he transported Philip from where he was. It doesn't tell us how. The next thing we know, Philip's running along beside the chariot. And he asked the eunuch, do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what it is about? And these are the words of God. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. And now as he went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch, the African nobleman, said this, asked this thing, this question. See here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Peter said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and he said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. As I told you before, think about the picture. The hallelujahs, the blowing of the trumpets, the singing of the angels, exactly what took in heaven and as well as it did on earth for the angels we can't see of all the things going on when he said, I accept you as Lord and Savior. There's something here, though, I want to back up to. If you're sitting in this room today and you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, you have not accepted him for the Christ that he is and is not as the Lord and Savior that he is and believe in trusting in him, this is the thing I want to back up to and ask you the same thing that the African Nolan, Nolan asked. What hinders you today from doing so or that? What is it? What baggage are you trying to hold on to in this world, trying to grip tighter to that's keeping you from saying, Lord, I don't need this. I need you. Need you. I think about the prodigal son as he left and went his way and spent all his money and wind up working up in a pig sty, a bunch of hogs feeding them, which was against the Jewish custom as it was, but that's where he found himself when he had run as far as he could run away from God and got down as low as he could get. He was down in the mire up to his knees with a bunch of stinking hogs. What did he do? He came to himself. He said, that's better life than this. I need to go back. He made at that instant a 180 degree turn to give his life to Christ and start back. To go back. The rejoicing became and began the day he said, he came to mind and said, I need to be at home. I need to be with Christ. I need to be with my Lord. I need to be with my master. My father even has slaves and servants that's eaten better than I am. He was willing to go back as a servant, wasn't he? But you know, when he got there, he had practiced so many times of what he wanted to say to his father, 
I'm going to tell him this. I'm going to say that. Lord, I, I, Father, forgive me. And, you know, I've done you wrong. Just let me be a servant and let me eat with you and not eat corn cobs. But his father stopped him short before he could do it. He forgave him of everything he had done. He said, hold up. He said, put sandals on his feet, a robe on him, and a ring on his finger, and killed the fatted calf. And the angels sang loud. Forgave him. Forgave him of where he was and who he is. I ask you again, if you are in here today and you have not given your life to Christ, what is hindering you? What is it? Examine your hearts in here today. And if you're in here and you're one of those that haven't, I pray you will. Examine your heart. Search it out to see a place that will certainly make your angels rejoice. In Acts 16, 25 through 31, we find another example. The Philippian jailer. Now, mind for you, Paul and Silas had been taken hostage because what were they doing? They were preaching the word of Jesus Christ. They were telling them who he was. They were telling them how to be saved. They were preaching something that this world, that time, was not accustomed to. Well, I want to give you a wake-up call. There's people out there right now that don't know who Jesus is. It hadn't changed a whole lot. And he depends on us with our hands and our feet and this voice he gives us to go out and tell them about him. That's what they were doing. And it cost them being put in jail. I got another news flash for you. If you know anything about the times of where we are today, it may come yet. But Jesus said these words, Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So we find Paul and Silas here in the word of God. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I want to stop right there. Now we're talking about two men chained in a place, nasty, dirty, dark, and what are they doing? Oh, woe is me. I can't take it. No. They were singing and praising and giving God the glory through his son, Jesus Christ. And guess what they were doing? They were witnessing to everybody that was in there also. Isn't that what he asked us to do? Be witnesses of him? That a seed may be planted and words watered by the word of God? They were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prisons was shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakened from his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword, and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do not do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, the jailer did, and he ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved, you and your household. Again, I'm going to ask you, what is hindering you from giving your life to Christ? 
What is it that's stopping you? It is you and you alone because the decision has to be yours. Jesus died for each one of us on that cross and was buried and rose and ascended and said, I'm going to prepare a place for those who are prepared and I will come back one day and receive them unto myself. He didn't tell us a day. Today may be that day. You ever thought about that? Today may be the day you take your last breath. I may not get out of this stool. I may fall off this stool. But I can promise you one thing. I'll be there with the angels rejoicing because I honestly believe my promises from God says you will be here with me. What is hindering you that you haven't given your life to Christ? What is hindering you that you won't go out and tell somebody who Jesus Christ is? Jesus says, I will give you the power. I will give you the completeness. I will aim, arm you and give you everything you need to tell people of who I am. We talked about that in Sunday school today. That God said, I will give you through my son what you need. And don't never forget, that is not us fighting the battle. It is God fighting the battle. We're his soldiers. We have a commander-in-chief, and his name is Jesus Christ. Nothing stands in his path away. And guess what he said? Deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. If you're following him, guess what? He's clearing the path for you. So if he's telling you to go out there or to come to me and be saved, today is the day. Today is that day. In Romans 10, 13, he says these things. Paul did. Paul said these words. He who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall be saved. Modern man forever has asked the same question. It's old, but always new. It is just as relevant today as it was in the past. What must I do to be saved? What must I do to have eternal life? The same question is being asked today. Jesus gave a snapshot into it, did he not? How do I become reconciled unto God? How do you repent of your sin? A simple question demands a simple answer. And that's exactly what I wrote here because it is. And I thank the Lord it is simple because I'm a simple person myself. If it was any more complicated, I couldn't stand it. But that's not what God said. God said, if you'll come to me through my son, Jesus Christ, he said, the spirit of, you, of me will fall upon you and I will show you and teach you things that you did not know. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We are the ones that make it complicated. Jesus didn't do it. We do it. We add our own take to it. We make it complicated. Jesus said, I make it simple. Believe that I am the Christ. Accept me as the Christ. Believe that I am the Lord and come and follow me. Can't get much simpler than that. The Old Testament showed us they had ten commandments, what God gave them. At the end of the Old Testament, I read there's 613 things they want them to do. Well, I'll tell you what. They couldn't do the ten. I don't know why they added 603 more on it. And neither can we. Jesus said, I came, and I came to give you life, and I came to give it to you more abundantly. If you haven't given your life to him today, again, I'll tell you, today is that day. He spoke to people in short sentences, Jesus did. He told them of short stories and interesting stories. I don't know about you, but the stories I have read so much about him I, I just, every time I go back in and read that story, it touches my heart that I find something new in there that Jesus is, that living word that he showed me, and it sticks to my heart that I can tell others 
these are God's word. These are stories I learned from who Jesus is, was, and always will be. Jesus did that. He made it simple. He talked in terms that we all can understand. God in such simplicity that they were amazed at what Jesus talked about. They, God made it through Jesus Christ so simple that they were amazed at the words that he spoke. I'm still amazed at the words God speaks. Makes my heart yearn and hunger and thirst for more. He made it simple. We make it complicated. In the Acts of Apostles, we see, too, that the Philippian jailer asked Apostle Paul, what must I do to be saved? Paul gave him a very simple answer, didn't he? Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's what he said. Simple. I'm going to make it easy for you, he said. That's all you have to do. This is so simple that millions of people stumble over top of it every day. That's why I ask you today, people, brothers and sisters, tell somebody about Jesus Christ because they're out there stumbling over top of it. You may be the one that plants that seed because I can promise you it is Jesus Christ who gives the increase. Because Paul talked about this. Paul talked about it in 1 Corinthians 3, 6. He said, I planted and polished water, but it is God who gives the increase. It's not he who plants or he who waters, but it is God who gets the glory. Jesus Christ. Yes. I think about it as I was reading these words and writing my notes at, uh, and reading the Bible as a young man, a young boy. I read in it and I took it as, a, as guidelines of what I must do and the things I must straighten out and all the things that in my life I knew was wrong that I had to do and fix before I could come to Christ. Well, here's the news flash. I failed so many times I couldn't count them if I took all my shoes, my shoes and my fingers to count them. I failed so many times because I couldn't do it. I was not worthy, nor is any of us. Jesus didn't tell the blind man when he come to him, said, heal me, Lord, I want to see. Jesus didn't say, hold up a minute. You go back, find your way, stumble on back over somewhere and correct all them things you did wrong. Then you come back and I give you a new set of eyes. When the leper came to him, he didn't tell the leper, wait a minute, nope, I know things about you. Go back and straighten that out, and when you come back, I'll put some skin on you. I'm going to give you new skin and give you a new body. He didn't tell him that. The thief on the cross, hanging right beside Jesus, on his right-hand side, he said, Lord, remember me when you enter your kingdom. Jesus said, hold up a minute. Nope, got to get down off here and go straighten that mess. Or he didn't come back and hang yourself again, and I'll forgive you. He didn't say that. He did not say that. He, the man hanging on the right-hand side of Jesus, called him who he is, Lord. Lord, remember me. That's the title he has, Lord. He accepted him and repented that very breath that he made that turn on that cross and said, Lord, remember me. What was the words of our Lord and Savior? Today you will be with me in paradise. That's simple. That's as simple as it gets. He, Jesus, said, come as you are. He said, I will meet you where you are. 
Thank you for that, Lord, because trying to straighten out the mess of my life, I wouldn't have got there and couldn't have got there. But he said the minute that I accept him as Lord and Savior, as you do if you haven't given your life to him, it's like taking this book of his laid right before me and taking a bottle of ink and pouring it on it. Guess what I cannot do? I can't read a thing on that no more. He's forgiven me, and he will forgive you. And he has forgiven you that sit in here today who accepted him as Lord and Savior. That's all he's asking. Come as you are. Come to me. He showed me something this week. I want to share it with you. You might find it a little hard when I started with it, but uh, I kind of giggled to myself when he showed me this and, and made me understand what he was trying to tell me. Some of the greatest and most precious words recorded in all of Scripture were spoken by Satan himself. Not that he intended it to be, but he spoke them. In his discussion with Job, In his discussion with Job, Satan said these words. William, have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. Satan spoke these words. One of the times I only know that he told the truth. But these are the words that Satan spoke because it is so true of those of us who believe and trust in God. He has put a hedge around you. The possessions you have, he gave you. They belong to him. The heart that beats in you, the breath that you believe, breathes his. He said, I love you this much. If you will believe and trust in me, I will put a hedge around you. Have you ever thought about that? What it may look like that God has put a hedge around you? He's got those angels protecting you all, every day, all day. What do we have to fear? Nothing. We have nothing. What can man do to us? Nothing. I believe in Jesus. Fear not, he said. Believe in me. When I personally gave my life to Christ, I never thought of it that way until I got in his word to believe and understand that the minute I said, Lord, I accept you as Lord and Savior, there was a hedge put around me. I was asked earlier before I started this, do I remember when I gave my life to the Lord? Can I remember the day? I can. I can tell you one thing. I was in the back of a vehicle headed home. I worked a shift and we took turns carpooling. And I gave my life to Christ and was baptized that day. And on that way home that day, I never had such a, a spirit of fire come upon me in my life. I was surprised at the man driving the car because he was crowded in, three in the back seat, two in the front. They didn't stop the car because I couldn't be still. I couldn't wait to get out of that car because I wanted to run. The Spirit was upon me. I wanted to take off. I wanted to tell everybody, man, you ever received the Holy Spirit? Let me show you what it's like. 
couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. Scripture says this in Ecclesiastes 3.2. There's a time to be born and a time to die. I believe personally, and I pray that you do who believe, and I trust that you do, but for you who don't believe, I'm going to give you a little snapshot of where we are. I believe that when it comes time for my crucial crossover, when it comes time when Jesus Christ says, David, you're done, that he will usher me into the presence of God. And yeah, although they've already been rejoicing because I gave my life to him, I'm going to be with them rejoicing too. I believe that. And I ask you today, if you have not given your life to him, please do. I prayerfully pray for you. Asking you to consider that. Examine yourselves. Let go of that baggage. Let go of this world. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind, as Paul talked about in Romans 12, too. Give your life to Christ. In Psalm 23:6 says, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David quoted that. Not this David, King David. But I did quote it. Only because God showed me his word. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can all of you in here say that today? If you're not a believer, today is the day that you accept him as Lord and Savior. That you then can say these words. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'll ask you again, William. Thank you. There's the question. There's the question. I will ask you again. What hinders you? What hinders you from giving your life to Christ? What's in your way? Examine it. Look at it. Is it worth it? Is it worth not giving your life to him for everything I've told you, everything I've read you? And I can't make you believe any of it. I only plant water. God gives the increase. The decision is yours. I can't make it for you nor anybody else. That's a commitment you have to make to Christ. You. Personal relationship. And as I bow my head in prayer, as I ask you the question, why you got your head bowed? What hinders you today if you have not given your life to Christ? Let's bow heads. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your willingness to leave a perfect relationship with the Father and the Spirit. That you chose to come down here in the likeness of man. You chose the creator himself to come down as a creature you have created to walk among us. That we had no other way back. It was not any of them 613 regulations, nor has any ever, ever been a regulation. You made it simple. Believe in you. Call on your name. And we shall be saved. I pray today, Father, for those sitting in this congregation today who believe in you and trust in you already, that they may raise their hands and say, Hallelujah to you, my Lord. The angels have already sung that song, and they will sing when we cross over to be in the presence of you. But if there's anybody in here that has not accepted, I pray, Lord, that the spirit of you will set upon their heart like a burning fire, and they will give their life to you today. 
Lord, I lift it up to you to praise you and glorify you and thank you for your living word. You're an awesome and a beautiful God. We love you. Amen. What does hinder you? What is it? What is it that's hindering you from it? Jesus said, come as you are. Come as you are. Please let me have my phone. I had something in my phone was text to me, and I wanted to share this with you, that uh, they had no idea, God did, of what I was going to be talking about today, but I want to, uh, want to share this with you that was sent, sent to me. A boy asked his father, Dad, what is the size of God? And then the father looked up at the sky and said, saw a plane and asked his son, what is the size of this plane? The boy replied, it is very small. I can hardly see it. And then the father took him to the airport, and as they approached the plane, he asked, my son, How big is this plane? The boy replied, wow, Dad, it is huge. Then the father told him, God's size depends on how close or how far you are to him. The closer you get to him, the greater and greater he will be in your life. This person didn't know I was preaching this today, but that's what they sent me. And I tell you the same thing. Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. What is hindering you from drawing close to him? Because the closer you get, you will see just how big God is. I can't wait for the words to say, come home, my true and faithful servant. And I challenge you today, if you're in this crowd, in this, in this sanctuary today, if you haven't given your life to him, let it be today. Let it be today that you will come forward. To Christ. You don't have to come up here. That's between you and God. Stay where you're in your seat. But I ask that you will take that words to him and say, I believe you are the Christ. I believe you are the Son of God. I accept you as Savior and follow you as Lord. I challenge you today for that. Let us stand and sing and praise God.
Take